Man Podcast. Every man. <laughs> another week, another pod. Yeah, bro. Daryl Campbell, what's happening, bro? Man, um, I'll tell you what's happening. You know, after I got over my deep depression of no longer having um Fourth of July um due. Mm. You know, it was it was it was a deep thing. You know what I mean? But yeah, it, rest in peace, Freedom Dew. Till next year. Thank you to the Mountain Dew guys for creating that substance that fuels the everyman. Um, we're not sponsored, but I'm just saying, if you ever wanted to swing our way, Pepsi, PepsiCo, we listen we, to your boys. You know, we we do I know, frequent that. I so. know we're slinging bottles. I know firsthand um, that our listeners are purchasing your products hand over fist due mm. to our uh, placement. And uh, discussions hand over your, feet too of the Saturday. great ado. So uh, yeah. yes, shout out to the Freedom Do. Rest in peace. May your blue uh, sugary sweetness be uh, remembered and never forgotten. And we hope that you return next year. Yes, we do. Yeah. So we hope everybody had a great Fourth of July. Um, last week we had uh, Mike Gowan on the show, and uh, it was an awesome episode. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's a great dude, classic everyman, and he really. Um, he really put a smile on my face when I was listening back to that episode. So thank you, Mike, for that. Thanks, Mike. And uh, look forward to keeping an eye on what you're up to and having you back on the show. A um, couple other little business notes. I'd like to announce that we are now officially on uh, Google Play, mm-hmm. Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Yeah. So if you're listening to this right now, the Everman Podcast on SoundCloud, or you're checking it out on Apple Podcasts, and you just need another option, or maybe you've got an Android device... You got a Google Home speaker. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is search the Everyman Podcast on any of those platforms, and now you can get us there. So we're now anywhere that podcasts are available: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and uh, soon we will be transcribing and sending out a uh, weekly mailer mm-hmm. of our episodes. So look forward to that. That's going to be uh, that's going to be hot stuff. So what you're saying? Brother Jay, is that we are now officially, officially, right? Officially. The MacGyver of podcasts. Yeah, we're going to be the first podcast to go on paper. Yeah, that's it, man. I mean, who's doing that? Yeah, no one. <laughs> Not yet, but we're doing it. Yeah. So good, good luck. That's it. Uh, this week on the show, we have um, an awesome, awesome interview on deck. Mr. Matt Griebel. Matt is uh, he's currently he's a law enforcement officer out in the Chicagoland area. And by the way, let me just say, uh, Chicagoland is a great is a great name, great nickname for your for your home region, bro. Well, I mean, you have that, and then you have Chi Town. That's that's. Also I like a calling good it Chi Chi, <laughs> like Goku's wife on Dragon Ball Z. Oh, is her name Chi Chi? Yeah, Chi Chi. Yeah, my boy uh, Sakura. Shout out to uh, my Polish prince. Uh, he's out in Chi Chi right now. Uh, holding it down, soon to be. Uh, he's actually moving to Hawaii, actually. Whoa! Uh, so we'll we'll be uh, all every man universe will be all over the place. He's a, he's a gentleman that designed these uh, wonderful Everyman podcast shirts, which are available on our Facebook page for nineteen ninety nine. Wearing it um, right now. Daryl is wearing one as we speak. Five X. <laughs> he got a custom one off tarp, one off <laughs> tablecloth size. <laughs> With, to, with with shirt holes yeah, in it so use, I can stick my arms through. They had to use two screens for the logo on the front. That's it, bro. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Matt Griebel, uh, he's a gentleman that you played uh, high school ball with. Mm-hmm. And you guys competed against each other. Absolutely. And Matt tells us uh, some awesome story about uh, about what it, what it was like having to deal with the man of your of your uh, stature and caliber <laughs> on the football field in high school. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, Daryl was a handful. Yes, I was. Literally. 
Um, two hands, I'm sure. Three. If you got them. <laughs> yeah, if you got other hands. <laughs> if you got them. Uh, and then Matt spent some time in the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and he is uh, currently a head linesman in the um, Missouri Valley Football Conference Division One. Mm-hmm. Line and, joke, uh, man. Yeah, that's, awesome. that's, uh, he's responsible for the whole line of scrimmage. And uh, he really gives us an inside look on, on what um, – officiating at the professional level not obviously college football is not professional football but the uh, men and women that are involved in the ncaa absolutely are professionals um and uh what his ambitions are with that and also he is an actor yeah he's been on uh, chicago pd as uh, as a handsome uh, background double guy jawline yeah he's it's all about the jawline unfortunately you guys you can't couldn't see him but you just have to take our word for it mm-hmm. um and he's uh, in a short film Win two wrongs, baby. Which uh, just just debuted, uh, and uh, the the link for the trailer for that is going to be in the show notes. So make sure you head on over there and see that, and uh, you can you can find out when it when it'll be a town near you on their website. And uh, with that said, let's hit it. Let's get it. Joining us today on the Everyman Podcast is a great friend of the show and somebody that is absolutely in the cosmic canoe with us. Uh, his name is Matt Griebel, and he is currently a headline judge in the NCAA Division I Missouri Valley Football Conference. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Griebel. How you doing, guys? What's going on? What's up, baby? Not much, man. Happy to have you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. This is uh, this will be fun. Absolutely. So right off the bat, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where are you from, and uh, what are you currently doing? Well, currently, I, well, I live in uh, just outside of Chicago. So I live in Shorewood, Illinois. Um, I, I've been, I grew up here in Lockport. Uh, DC's from, from the area. He knows uh, we played against each other in high school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like to say I won a couple of those battles, but <laughs> oh, don't worry, we're going to get into that. <laughs> um, I I, uh, I I'm currently a police officer. That's my uh, my nine, and my uh, side job is a headlinesman in the uh, uh, Missouri Valley Conference. So I'm in the COC, which is a consortium of the the Big Ten, Missouri Valley, and MAC conferences. That's awesome. So you so you've got some experience on the football field. With Daryl, which of course we want to get to. Um, so, what uh, what position did you play? When I was, well, you know, I was a jack. I, I played every position on the offensive line. <clears throat> Excuse me, but uh, the uh, main position was the, uh, guard, center, center guard, that type of thing. So. Okay. And um, what what high school uh, were you on? The same high school team. With Daryl, or how did how did you guys get to uh, playing with each other? <laughs> All right, so so this is this is great, right? So Daryl was our scouting report. We uh, we knew that we had a, we had to double team him on every play because he was such a stud. And uh, I don't think he knows this, but uh, when we were playing, yeah, we had the scouting report. And we actually had uh, some guys that uh, were were portraying him in practice. But so what'd you I do? Get two guys on on put two guys together, tape them together. How'd you do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. It, one was like maybe a Ford pickup truck. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, so we, uh, I went to Lockport High School and uh, Daryl with the Thornwood, or Thornwood, Thornwood, one of the Thorns, right? Thornwood, 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 baby. <laughs> yeah, man, we were, yeah, it was cool, man. We played against each other. And I'll say the one thing I remember, I, I still take to this day, and I talked to some of the other guys that I played with, and no matter what was going on, 
Daryl had this smile on his face, and he just loved football, man. He just loved playing. We were, I was lucky enough to be a part of, of an all-conference team with him. Uh, yeah, he went on to Notre Dame, and I went on to a smaller Indiana school, which I think you know pretty much owns the state, Indiana State University. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and the rest is history, so... That's that's, awesome, that's amazing, and and uh, it's been really cool for me to to talk to g- gentlemen like yourself that um, got that know Daryl as a as an athlete um, because I've I've gotten to know Daryl uh, over the past couple of years, uh, you know, w- working with him uh, in conjunction at NFL Films uh, when my my band had had an opportunity to provide some work there uh, with our music, and then also with the podcast, and I can see how uh, just tenacious and um, just positive he is as a as a partner on, on this i can't imagine uh you know what it was like having to play against him when he's not trying to lift you up he's trying to kind of fuck you up um <laughs> I, so so what, yeah how about it he, he was yeah absolutely he was the uh he was the guy that we uh we game planned against and uh you know it was one of these things where <clears throat> no matter what you did you know, he was going to come and give everything he's got, everything he had, you know, and he wasn't going to stop. And he had this smile on his face the whole time. He was whooping your ass on the football field. And he was laughing about <laughs> it. You're like, you know, I remember, I, I remember going back to the huddle and talking to some of the guys, you know, that he had just gone against. Cause you know, of course, if he went against me, it would have been a different story. Right? You know? but, yeah. You spared him the embarrassment. I'm sure. <laughs> but, but you know, some of the guys were like, I don't know what's going on over there. I says, well, I don't, uh, listen, dude, do what you guys got to do, man. We got to we got to win this game. So. Yeah, we we apologize for the uh, little bit of the interruption there at the beginning. Uh, some of the audio was breaking up. We we had to go rogue. We were forced to go rogue and yeah. and uh, obtain a uh, more portable solution for our audio. And we are now back here with it with a clean, uh, clean and handsome Matt Griebel. So we're talking about playing Daryl and and having a game plan against him, and. Uh, as I was saying, he's he's a he's a gentleman uh, in all aspects, but he's a warrior on the football field, I'm sure. And I would have loved to have had an opportunity to watch you guys go to battle. Um, so, talk to me a little bit about your experience um, getting out of high school and and getting ready for college, because we've had a lot of guys on the show um, that have been through that experience. And I'm, I'm curious uh, on what kind of advice you might have for a young athlete getting ready to make that jump today from high school to college? You know, so my, my background, right. I, I, education is extremely important to me. And unfortunately it hasn't always been that way, you know, growing up, you know, it was football and that was it. And that's what you were concentrating on. And everybody thought that that's, you know, you could be the greatest athlete in the world and you're going to go to a a major university, but you know what, you got to, you got to back it up in the classroom. You know, and uh, I I was lucky enough to get a scholarship. Um, I didn't I didn't go to a mid-major school or a, I didn't go to a major school. I went to a mid-major school out of, out of high school. I signed it uh, with uh, Illinois State and I played down there for, for a year. I lettered down there and my coaches that recruited me and they were there from the beginning. So I kind of developed a relationship with them from the beginning and other other schools had come in. But those were the first ones there. And I was always kind of that loyal person. You know what I mean? And like, I didn't care where I was going to play football. I just wanted to play football. Nice. I wanted to get an education and I wanted to get it paid for. You know, I grew up in a blue collar family. You know, my father was a truck driver. My mother was, uh, you know, worked odd and, you know, odd jobs here and there doing things. And, you know, it was one of these things where if I didn't get a scholarship, if I didn't get a scholarship to play football, you know, and, I, and I'm not, not, you know, 
downplaying, you know, our military, our armed forces, but I would have joined the military. I would have gone that route because that's just, you know, I got to be a part of a team. I got to be a part of somebody, a group of people, you know, that, that have a common goal to get something done. So that's what I ended up doing. So I went to Illinois State uh, and then my coaches uh, had, were great. Todd Berry was the head coach there and Harold Etheridge was my offensive line coach. And, you know, we had a great year. We won the Gateway Football Conference, which is now Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, first time that Illinois State had ever won that. And then they, they ended up getting, uh, like anything, they get recruited. And they went to West Point Military Academy. And then new coaches came in, and I, it just didn't jive with me. So I ended up transferring to a junior college, uh, went there. And, 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 you know, funny story about that, when I transferred from a junior college, it's funny, like anybody that's out there that knows about transferring, you know, when you take your freshman classes, there's a lot of classes that are just kind of fluff classes that they give you. And it kind of drives me nuts because I transferred from, from Illinois State University with seven credit hours. And it wasn't because I was, you know, an idiot, you know, taking ba- underwater basket weaving. I was, you know, <laughs> Yo, that you class know, would probably be pretty difficult, to be honest. Right, right. You know, I was exactly. I was taking classes that were like introduction to, you know, college life that were mandatory for new, you know, freshmen that weren't transferable. You know, so it's almost the way that they that they get, uh, you know, they, they end up keeping you there. You know, you get locked in. So I ended up going to Joliet Junior College and played for Bob McDougal there for a season. And I said to my, you know, I, I, the plan was I'm going there for one year and I'm not going to burn two years of eligibility at, at a junior college. Nothing against a junior college, but I already, already burned a year with uh, Illinois State. So my time was limited, you know. So I ended up going to Joliet Junior College with the mindset that, it's work. I'm here. I'm going to play this game for these guys. We're going to, we're going to do what we can, but I got to graduate, you know? So I graduated with an associate's degree, basically with one year. I made, I did 57 credit hours in one year. Wow, you know? man. That's yeah. Some, that's boss. <laughs> right. You know, so I, I went in there, I did like, I want to say like, it was like seven or eight in the, in the summer. Yeah. And then I did uh, 24 or uh, 21 in, in the fall and 24 in the spring. And then another, eight or so something like that but it was 57 credit hours to, to graduate you know because if i didn't graduate i would have had to spend of eligibility at a junior college and my eye was you know i'm going to the national football league that's what i wanted to do you nice. know that was since i was a little kid that was the motivation i watched these 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 gladiators on tv beat the shit out of each other every sunday monday night and i'm like man dude and they get paid on top of that <laughs> yeah. i'm like sign me up dude where do i go and knock some <laughs> somebody in the face you know what i mean so so i ended up uh you know graduating with a, with a, an associate's degree there from julie Jeer college and then i had the pick of the litter i had schools coming from all over the country you know and uh so i ended up uh i ended up signing with uh, tennessee state university which is uh a school down in, in nashville historical black college mm-hmm. great people awesome people loved it loved loved it. my time there it just when i got down there i got i got robbed at gunpoint oh you know, man I was held up outside of Circle K in, in Nashville, and I just said, what the, what the, what the hell? <laughs> what is going I, on I, here? I told the guy, the guy, he stuck a gun in my face, and he said, listen, man, give me your money. And I said, dude, I'm a poor college kid, dude. I have nothing. You know, I had a $100 bill tucked behind my driver's license. I had $3 in my wallet. And I said, here's my money. I opened up my wallet, and he took it, jumped in that car. I turned around. You know, I was calling home. I was on a collect call thank God it didn't go through. Cause could you imagine my mom hearing that on the other end? Right. You know, and I jumped in my 85 hoop team, my 85 one, and I drove eight hours back home said, no, I'm not dealing with this. You know, I'm not dealing with Damn, this stuff. Man. 
So they they were uh, Tennessee State was uh, very good to me. They uh, they released me for my national letter of intent. Um, Coach Reese down there was a stand up guy. Coach uh, Symington was the offensive line coach. You know, I, I love those guys down there. I, I got along. With, I'm still friends with them. I'm still friends with a lot of the players down there. Um, but it was just one of these things where I was a kid and I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I you sign. For, for whatever reason, you know, it was a good fit and it just didn't work out. And, I, you know, you maintain these relationships. So I ended up going back uh, back home and I made a phone call to Tim McGuire at uh, Indiana State University. They were one of the, the original, another original school that came in when I was in high school. And uh, they used to camp outside the house. Do you remember that D.C. When they <laughs> yeah. Coaches? yeah. Coach, they would, one would wait and then the other one would come in and they'd say, OK, we're here to talk. And then like, you got 50 minutes, coach. You got uh, somebody else coming up behind you. And they, they, they were one of those, co- you know, those schools that came in and Coach McGuire it, it recruited me. And he said I called him on the phone. I told him what was going on. He says, you got a home at Indiana State if you wanted it. And I said, absolutely. I drove down there that night and uh, we signed with them. And, uh, you know, I ended up uh, red shirting my, my freshman year because of the national letter of intent rules. Mm-hmm. So I redshirted that year at Indiana State, which I had to burn. I, I had a redshirt to burn because I had the true freshman at Illinois State and then the one year at Jolie Junior College and then a redshirt. And then my goal was basically just to, you know, I, I was Rudy, man. I was Rudy on that uh, on that scout team. I beat the shit out of those guys every day. I mean, you know what I mean? Like some of those guys, they were like, you know, what the hell is your problem? I said, but you know what, man? I'm I'm making you better, right? You're making yeah. me better. We're all we're all making each other better. And that was the goal was to get to get there and get better. And and that's you know, I ended up graduating from Indiana State with a degree in criminology. And uh, you know, I, I, I love my time down there i still keep in touch with a lot of the people down there they're fantastic uh fantastic university and just great people to be around that's awesome i want to actually circle back to something you said there early on that i find very interesting you said that you need to be a part of a team and and a a group of people doing something um i i'm of the mindset so my my background is you know i'm a musician um and, and when i was younger i played a little bit of football but nothing like you guys um, and I've always, I've always enjoyed the aspect of, of the, whether it's a band or a, a group of, you know, just, just a team. Um, and I think that today you have so many different, not to sound like, oh, back in my day, but you have a lot of different distractions now than you, than you might have before. And a lot of these things are so tempting. And we were joking about all the technology issues we were having earlier. You know, some of these things are so tempting and, and, uh, glamorous that it draws you in away from from being in a team environment and i'm curious as to what your thoughts are on you know obviously as a police officer that's a team environment not only from the men you men and women you serve with but also the community that you serving um it's a team in that in that regard um football obviously and you and you've bounced around from several different environments where you had to operate in a team and and do you think what, what my question is do you think that's something that people should focus more on putting themselves in as part of something bigger than themselves and a, and a greater goal and 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 if so how do you think that would how do you think that affects things like policing and football and just life in general being with a team well you know it's a great question you know you look at it like this um we're human beings. And I think, uh, you know, the, the no, number one, you know, the thing that we, we thrive for is, is, you know, inclusion, you know, we want, you know, we want to be a part of a group, you know, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's people like my brother who's like a hermit, you know what I mean? Like, and I joke about <laughs> it all the time with him, but like, you know, 
there, we want to be a part of the pack. You know, we want to, we want to be together. We want to be, we want to, we're social creatures, you know? And uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. You, you, you kind of just talking about, uh, you know, within law enforcement and being a part of a team in law enforcement, you, you hit the nail on the head with that because you know what? A lot of people think it's the police versus everybody else, but you know what? It's the community, right? That's how, that's how I look at it. Um, it's me and my neighbors and me protecting my neighbors and my neighbors protecting me. I, you know, I, I, I've got a story, you know, not to talk your guys ears off about it, but I, I was working, a, 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 I was in patrol my rookie year and I was out on some, you know, desolate road. And, and I saw this, I saw this little kid walking down the street and then I saw a guy jump out of the woods, the wooded tree line and snatched this kid up and run back into the woods. And I said, I slammed on the brakes. I put the car in park and I thought to myself, I go, well, hell, where am I going to stick this award? Because I just caught me a kidnapper. You know what I mean? Like this, this was the truth, you know? And so I, we run in there, I run in after this and, and you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I grabbed the kid and now I'm fighting with this guy and this is a road that nobody's ever on. Okay. And, uh, and I'm, I'm out there on this road and, I'm fighting with this guy and this, uh, uh, the house is down the, down the, down the street a little bit. And here comes two more guys running out of the house to jump on me. Long story short, you know, they were all related, but the little kid was from another, another state. Right. And so he, he didn't know who this person was. And when he had said, when he said that, uh, you know, I don't know you leave me alone. Like I just instantly thought, man, this right. is a bad guy taking, taking, taking a kid, you know? And so as I'm fighting with these three guys on the side of the road, there's a ton of cars coming now, you know what I mean? And people are stopped and they're looking and this one guy, this one guy gets on the, he rolls his window down. He says, he goes, deputy, deputy, deputy. Cause we're, we're, we're uh, sheriff's deputy. I'm a sheriff's deputy. He goes, deputy. He's like, do you, do you need, do you need help? Do you, do you, you want me to call 911? And I said, screw 911, man. I am 911. Come help me. You know what I mean? Like he was on his phone. And so he's like, screw this. And he takes off, you know? And I'm like, oh, thanks dude. But then other people come over and they help me, you know? Right, so they help. They, Screw they help this! Out. I'm out. What? Right. That's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, those people didn't have to help me. You know what I mean? Those, yeah. those people didn't have to be there for me. You know that type of thing. So, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was one of these really cool situations where the community came together, and you know that's just how it is. I I think that everybody, and to go back and not to be long winded on it, you know, we circle. Around around and it's just it's a community it's we need to be together and if if uh you know the old say the old adage right you know divide and conquer if, if we're divided we're not going to succeed so we need to stick together to accomplish the goal and that's absolutely universal when it comes to the, the themes that we like to talk about here on the everyman podcast which is you know individuals that are are doing the hard work for the for a greater purpose than, other than themselves and whether that's you know uh building uh building bridges to to new people in your community um or or physically getting involved and helping when when it's needed um that's that's really awesome and that's absolutely what the everyman is all about so thank you for sharing that let me uh let me jump in there real quick brother jay so matt now you were talking about and we'll swing back real quick about the the stuff from high school so you were asking like he's got this big ass dude over here with a smile on his face just going nuts every play the reason the number one reason why i always had a smile on my face it's exactly why it's exactly for, for what you're talking about right now. It's about team, man. Yeah. That's the one thing you talk about inclusion from high school to college 
to the workforce at NFL Films, where I'm where I am now, right now with the podcast. You, you talk about it, Matt. You want to be included. You want to surround yourself with like-minded people, and you want to enjoy what you're doing. Football was the first thing I ever engaged in where I felt like, you know what, I could just be my fucking self. And everybody was like-minded, man. You know what I mean? Win, lose, or draw, the people you play against, the people that you play with, it didn't matter because we're all out here on the field doing the same doggone thing, just loving life and just enjoying it. You know what I mean? And, And being able to put our fruits into our labor and have it benefit us now down the line you know Absolutely. what i'm saying so like i think Absolutely. that's the number one reason why i smile when i do everything why when, when i'm even at the officiating academy you know what i mean we're out there yeah. watching you run around and and you know officiate and do that stuff man like dude it was awesome like it's it's not just being engaged in it it's being proud of the people that i, I played against when i was in high school find them later down the line and knowing that they're doing well and my boy is freaking acting right now dude you know what I mean? How freaking cosmic and awesome is that? To like, like I'm proud of you, bro. Like, like that's Thanks. just, it's just for me. That's why I thank God. I still have the smile now. Like I did back then, because it's just like you say, it's all about team, man. All about team. Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely. And, and we talk about this, this thing called the cosmic canoe that we believe in here at the Everyman podcast. And it's that Daryl and I are on this journey together and we're, we're just discovering, um, you know, what it is that makes, people, you know, like yourself, successful um, when they're able to have adversity, um, when things are going perfect for them, you know, when they're not going perfect for them, when they go, when they go down, how do they get back up? Like, that's, that's really what it's all about. And, and in the cosmic canoe, we're going forward. And every time we, we put that paddle in the water, we're bringing more, uh, more with us. And, and when we, when we have you on and, and it's like, you know, you, you and Daryl haven't, haven't seen each other in a long time. And then you guys bump into each other at, at the officiating uh, camp, and and you're you're off on this new career, you know, doing in law enforcement and as a, as an official in, in college, which we're we're gonna get to here in a second. Um, it's just it, to me, it's uh, it just goes to show, you know, that it's it's a small world and an even smaller pool of people like us that are, you know, like minded, positive, hardworking. You know, and people that have a light, and I can tell from just talking to you for a few minutes that you you have that light in you, and I can I can guarantee that you know when you're when you're on the job that you're you're sharing that with people too. So right he is. it's uh it's just all very cool, and uh, so with with that being said, I want to talk a little bit about uh, about your your work as a uh, line judge. So explain to people what is a line judge. All right, so I don't know if you're going to have officials watching this, but I hope they do because I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to lay it down because I think the line of scrimmage officials are the hardest working guys on the field. Okay, nice. <laughs> and some of these guys are going to be like, "Oh God, here we go," you know. But no, no seriously, like uh, I, I everything I, I do, everything that I, I join, everything that I'm a part of is, is a group, you know, because um, I, I love football. Uh, football is is provided so much for me. Um, it has given me, it's given me a life. You know, I look around indirectly, you know, I got a beautiful wife and three beautiful children and a beautiful home and a, and a great job, a great career. And the thing is, you know, uh, for some people, and, and I'll go back to what a line judge or headlinesman is, you know, but, uh, but I just want to touch on this, you know, everything, everywhere I look in my life, uh, football is, is a part of it, you know, and, and it, it was one of these things where, you know, if anybody's taking a civil service, a civil service exam, 
in the Chicagoland area or in, in, you know, major metropolitan New York or LA, you know, like thousands of people show up for one job. You know what I mean? And it's like, when you fill out a resume, what are you going to put on this resume that's going to separate yourself? And, you know, I was lucky enough to put, you know, uh, a former player in the national football league on, on the resume, you know, and, and that, I, I can't tell you hundred percent, but I know that separated my resumes from, from other people's resumes, you know, that type of thing. But, uh, but yeah, so football just when, when I was playing and uh, you know, everybody gets that. I tell that, that aha moment when everybody says, you know, when coach says, grab your playbook, you know, you know, you're done, you know, and uh, it's what are you going to do with your life? You know, you, I grew up in a locker room. My coaches were my, were my father figures. You know, I lost my dad when I was 13 years old. He never saw me play a down football, you know? And uh, so I played the game with some anger, you know, because of that. I saw, you know, after games were over, kids would come out and they would uh, hug their, their mother and father. And I was, I'd go to my car and drive home, you know, guys would go out after games and, you know, have a party. I'd go home and hey, you know, this is my, this is my, my vehicle. Football is my vehicle. It's got to get me somewhere, you know? Um, that type of thing. So when I was told I was done playing football, it was, it was hard. You know, some guys take it hard. Some guys take it, you know, for what it's worth. And I, I went to a football, I went to a bears game, you know, and I'm sitting out there and I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, should I get back in the gym? Should I try, you know, the, you know, I went to the arena league for a little bit and that's a different story, you know, a hundred miles an hour to a brick wall. Didn't yeah. seem like it's too much fun <laughs> to me, you know, you know, so, it's like, what are you going to do? You know, and I'm out there and I saw this guy walk by and he's got stripes on. And he's got gray hair. And I says, holy shit, that's the guy I want to be. You know what I mean? He's he found a way to stay in this game when he's old, you know. So so I went and joined a local association and, and did that type of stuff. And uh, uh, that's that's the key. You know, get involved with your local association doing high school. And in and my background, I was very lucky and blessed that, uh, you know, I played football at such a high level that it opened up a lot more a lot of doors for me quicker than other people not you know not saying that i'm better than them but it just it opened up doors you know and, and i took advantage of that because i looked at it this way if i don't take advantage of this then the guy that never got the chance you know i'm letting him down because you know i gotta i gotta i gotta do something i gotta i gotta take everything i got and go all the way because the guy that never got a chance never got that chance and i'm doing it for him mm-hmm. i'm doing it for these guys because the number this advocation you know i call they call it an advocation and, and I'm, I'm big on calling it you know it's it's a career officiating is a career and and i love it so much that I, I i get more uh excitement out of giving back to these guys and helping out and helping that that guy get started or bringing people in and you know because officials are the keepers of the game and you know without them you know a referee told me one time without officials it's only recess and that's true you know it's it's not an organized game so it's just a bunch of kids out there running into each other and that's it but uh but anyways as far as my position as headlinesman uh i just completed my fourth year in division one uh, i work in the missouri valley conference and uh i'm part of this uh, consortium of college college officials consortium the coc which is <clears throat> comprises of the big 10 missouri valley and mac conferences and uh like i said i finished my fourth year in the Missouri Valley going into my fifth year, um, uh, hoping for some big things this year, hoping for some big things. And, uh, hopefully that, um, you know, our, our crew, our guys do real well. I mean, across the board, pretty, pretty solid guys, but, but anyways, as far as positions, I'm responsible for everything on the line of scrimmage and, uh, I'm in charge of, you know, for a half, I'm in charge of the chains and, uh, you know, you going into officiating, 
as a player, I thought that I was, you know, I knew the game. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, I know this game. And then you go to your first rules meeting, and you're like, oh, my God, I have no clue what the hell I'm doing here. You know what I mean? Right? And so that that's a humbling experience. And I think that's what keeps people coming back to this officiating because, you know, every time you turn around and you, you, you know, you try, you think you know something and, and you miss it, you know, we're, we're human. Well, there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of nuance in, in the game, uh, in general, and especially, um, you know, I would, I would assume officiating on the off the, on the line because, you know, one guy's interpretation of a hold might be slightly different than the next guys. And, you know, people with experience, I guess, like you're saying, the, the, the speed of the game, like you're going to start catching things, but it's only, it's just like playing. Like I would imagine you got to have the reps, right? So the more you yeah. see it, the more you're in it, the, the better you get at it. Absolutely. You know, and, and we do practices. We, we go down, to, you know, I, I try to get up to Camp Randall and do some practices up there. I go down to U of I and do some practices, go to Notre Dame. And, you know, we, we show up at these things and, you know, some of the coaches, they think that we're just there just to be there, but you know, we're, we're taking reps, you know, we got to see this stuff live, you know, cause uh, we, we don't have a preseason game. We, you know, our first game of the year is, is ready to go and, and people's careers depend on it. You know, a coach loses so many games in a year and he's, he's, you know, replaced and, we want to go out there and give the very best that we can. Every official I've ever come across, it, you know, takes a mistake that they make so hard that you, the regular Joe has no clue how hard they take it. You know, we're our biggest critic and we go after ourselves so bad, you know, because we just want to be successful. We want the game to be successful. I mean, believe it or not, when the game is over, you know, if, if, if the people say, were there officials out there? That's the best thing in the world. I, it's not about the Matt Griebel show when I go do football games. You know what I mean? It's it's about, you know, calling the game and making it a fair playing field for both teams so that the, be- the best team wins. And that's how that, that's what we try to accomplish. I think that's something that, that people, uh, you know, we got a lot of football fans that listen to the show, obviously. And I think that's something that, you know, as a fan myself, and I've gotten to look behind the curtain a lot here, um, I, it's something I like to hear because I think people have a have a idea about referees that you guys are like like the stormtroopers of the uh, of the commission uh, sometimes, and that you're you're just, you're, just, you're just kind of there to shit on the party. And I, you know, hearing hearing it from you come, you know, because I know how passionate you are about the game. That is that is uh, really refreshing. Um, when I'm watching the game, I, I always see players kind of getting chippy with the refs and, and the, the officials on the field. H- how much of that goes on and how deep is the shit talking? As, as much as you can say, I, I don't want you to, to, to uh, you know, break that brotherhood, but, you know, is, is it as much of that going on as it seems like on TV? Uh, yeah, so it's kind of unique. You know, when, when I show up at games or practices or some, I mean, people are like, because I was a pretty intense player. You know, and uh, I had my fair share of uh, penalties, you know, the flags thrown on me, you know. And so uh, when they find out and they see that I'm, I'm in stripes, it, it almost blows their mind. They're like, oh, my God, you're a referee? I'm like, you hated those guys. And I said, you know what? I didn't hate them. I just, you know, I didn't like when they caught me for holding. You know what I mean? I, I, and, listen, yeah. and for the record, I held a lot because those guys were good. You know what I mean? Like, you had a hold. You had a hold. So, but, yeah, like, you know, it's – it's um. The, the, the interactions is the bat right? So I started as an umpire in the middle of the field, right? Which would be in the defensive backfield by the linebackers. Okay. The old, the old NFL used to have it there. Now they moved them in the offensive backfield. 
right? So I was an umpire in the middle of the field for the first two years, you know, doing Division three and NAI games. And, and I, I loved it, you know, because I was an interior lineman and I got, I knew what these guys were about to do before they did it. And I'm like, yeah, you better watch yourself. I, I got you, you know? And uh, so you develop these relationships with the players inside in the trenches, you know what I mean? Because a lot, you, when they find out your playing background, you instantly have credibility and they, they don't give you as much, you know, shit, you know what right, I mean? Yeah. And, and so then, I moved when I got hired in the Missouri Valley, you know, they said, congratulations, you're hired. You're working a line of scrimmage. And I, I never, never worked a line of scrimmage in my life, you know? And I'm like, Oh man, what am I going to do? So I, I went like any person, you know, I busted my hump. I, I signed up for as many semi pro games and as many practices to work line of scrimmage and deal with, you know, the coaches and players. And, you know, cause that first game, I, my first game was Illinois state and Morgan state at, you know, at the line of scrimmage position, and those are two pretty good programs, you know. I mean, uh, Illinois State goes on to win a or goes to a national championship that that year, and uh, you know, so it was it was pretty pretty decent football. And I don't want to look foolish, and I don't want to I don't want that uh, that that aha moment that I spoke of earlier, where they say, "Hey, Grable, grab your grab your rule book, <laughs> You're done. Rule book. you know what I mean, <laughs> right? You know, but uh, but yeah, I mean, th- what I love the most when I so I move out to the line of scrimmage and I'm working the sidelines the interaction with the coaches, right? That that's it. No, that's we've got some uh, some really great coaches and there's some there's some excited coaches that we deal with, you know? And uh, <laughs> I, I love them. Right. I love them all. I'm I sure love you love them all, them all the same. Yeah, you know, it's just it, I love the the interaction because they 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 do their homework. You know, they know who we are. They know what we're about. They know what we, you know, our tendencies are. They know everything about us, you know, and and so when they, you know, they find out that I was a former player, they, they get it, you know, and, and I give them some leeway because I am I come from that locker room mentality that, coach, you, you can say, what you know, pretty much whatever you want to me. You're not going to hurt my feelings because I've been probably told worse, you know, so let it go. Go ahead and vent what you got to vent. We'll move on. You know, I'm here to work with you and try to give you the best I can. And, you know, that's what I'm going to do. I look them square in the eye during the pregame and say, coach, I'm here to give you my very best. That's what I'm, I promise you I will do the, today. And they, they're just happy with that. You know, they're thrilled with that. But the interaction with the guys on the sideline is, is what keeps me coming back. That's that, that's that every man style, man. I love it. Nice. I love it. So now, what would you like, more so towards, towards fans that are watching the pro game, what would you like those fans to understand or to know or maybe appreciate about what it takes to officiate a game? at that level talking about talking about the NFL what would you like those fans to know well you know i think the uh, i think the major networks are doing a really good job of trying to educate the, the announcers you know and, and i see that coming coming across they're starting to throw officials in the in the in the booth and, and you know to educate the fans I, I think that that is that's awesome because the thing is you know the the fans and the announcers of games, you know, at one time were kind of like the same. You know, they're watching this and their interpretation of of a rule or their their idea of what it should be is what I thought it should be when I was a player. And then when I got into the rule book, I was like, wow, I was wrong. You know, it's not like that. You know, um, I I like the fact that the that the fans are becoming more educated, and uh, you know, it just it makes it it makes it for a better understanding of the game, and it makes it you know. I, I, I get a kick out of it when there's an obscure rule that is, you know, something happens in the game 
and they, you know, they say this, you know, it will never happen, and sure enough, it's going to happen in your first game, and then it happens, and the officials nail it. Like a drop kick. Right, you know, like, exactly. You know, it's in the book, you know, but uh, it's it's in the book, you know, as far as, you know, the rule. However, you know, uh, you never see it. So, but when an official nails a call, I'm sitting at home, and I'm, I'm at like a – I'm like an official groupie, you know, I love it when, guys, <laughs> when, when they nail the call and I, and I, and I feel so bad for them when, you know, when they, when they bone a call, you know, cause we've all been there and, and they don't want to, they don't want to do that. You know, they want to get it right every time. And, you know, just the, the way the, you know, the numbers, numbers of the game, you know, you're not going to be right every time. And that's why people keep, people keep coming back. And it's so such a humbling experience being an official that, you know, you're not going to get that perfect game. I want to get that perfect game. That's my goal to get that perfect game. But I'm, I'm, it's it's just unattainable. It's not going to happen, you know. But uh, but as far as educating the fans, that's awesome. I love that. And uh, I love, like, you know, when when uh, the officials become they're, – they're, they're approachable, you know. Like, I've, I've been lucky enough to jump in with the – the NFL has been really great about helping out with uh, – with the former player program. And I'm, I'm a part of this former player program. And, you know, I, I credit the NFL for getting me, you know, hired into the Missouri Valley conference. You know, I went to a couple of their, their clinics. They had me in there. They took care of me. They showed me the ropes and they, they hired me. And, you know, here I am working for Mr. Carollo and the, um, who's a former, uh, you know, uh, white hat referee in the national football league. I did a couple of super bowls, you know, and, and I worked for him and, Without without the NFL and without that former player program, you know, I I wouldn't have moved or progressed as quickly as possible. But uh, but with uh, with the program, you know, interjecting me or inje- you know, like basically bringing bringing me into um, you know like training camps with with some of the uh, the full time NFL officials, you know, just to see how those officials interact with the fans is amazing. You know, they're very approachable. Um, they explain things, people ask questions and they're so quick to give them a, you know, an answer. And, you know, I just think it's, it, it, it just shows how much, um, how much professionalism they have, these, these NFL officials. And, you know, it's a direct result of, uh, of what they have at the top. You know, their leadership is, is, is picking the right guys and putting them in the right position. And, you know, when stuff happens in a game and it's, it's not good. You know, you feel bad for it, but, uh, you know, they're going to get it right. You know, they're going to get it right. I think there's a statistic out there that they're like 98% correct on every, you know, uh, on average. And that's pretty, pretty damn good. When I was a player, I wasn't 98%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I know. That's, that's, uh, yeah, that's, a, that is impressive. 98% for sure. Um, so last couple of questions here as, as we wind down, um, I wanted to know if, if you've ever had any, um, I don't want to say issues, but have you ever had any overzealous fans that uh, reacted to to your uh, your your role on the field as a uh, as an official or anything like that. Anything you've had to deal with? Uh, no, I mean you, you get the uh, you don't want to have rabbit ears. You know you don't want to listen to to the stuff that's going on in the in the, on the on the sidelines or you don't want to hear anything that's going on in the in the stands. But I do. You know we, we got a pretty good powerhouse up in North Dakota, up in Fargo. You know, with North Dakota State University, I think they've won like what six of the last seven national championships at the FCS level. And uh, I, I remember, you know, my first my first game up there. You know, there's I think they've sold out for the last twenty years their dome up there, and it's like twenty twenty thousand people. You know, it's a small little dome, but it's 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 awesome. It's a great environment to, to call a football game. And <laughs> there was a they were playing their rival South Dakota, and there was a fumble, and I had given it to South Dakota. It was the right call. You know, I pumped it the other way because the kid clearly fumbled the ball, and South Dakota recovered it, and it was their ball. And 
you know, we have replay, so everything goes to replay. But uh, when I pumped in South Dakota's direction, I, I had 20,000 people in the stands just boo me all collectively. And I was like, this is awesome. You I know? bet that gave you a smile. <laughs> did, did you smile when that happened? <laughs> yeah, well, you try not to because you're on TV. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, I'm just like, this is, uh, yeah, this is the bug. I got it. You know, I love this stuff. You know, I can't get enough of it, you know, and then it goes to replay. And then you got that moment where you're like Pucker Central, you know, you're like, oh, man, I hope <laughs> it's confirmed. I hope it's confirmed, you know, and then it came back and it was confirmed. And I'm like, I'm thinking, do I fist pump here or do I kind of just let it go? No, I'm going to let it go because I'm a professional. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, well, uh, well, I know yeah, from. I know from my from my playing experience, uh, when you you know I, I come from a largely metal background, and uh, there's two different feelings. Because uh, when I was doing hired gun gigs as a drummer, making people dance and making people smile is one feeling. But when you make a room full of people run in a fucking circle and smash into each other at full speed, <laughs> and they're fucking furious, that yeah. is like a hundred times better to me. I don't I can't speak for everybody. But like <laughs> eliciting that kind of response out of that many people is fantastic. So I can only imagine, like, especially because now I'm speaking for myself here, I can only imagine kind of like poking the finger at the, at the team at the home team saying like, oh well you're wrong. I'm right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I enjoy that kind of shit. So I yeah. would think that's uh that would be a very satisfying feeling. Yeah, you know, it's 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 about it's about being fair and impartial. Of you course, know, and we try to we try to maintain. You know, I, 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 that's my number one thing is I'm going to call the game as I see it. I could care less which team wins. That's how it goes. And I, you know, every official I've ever come across is the same way. You know, we we as football officials are a team. We work as a group, as a unit, and uh, you know, it's unique to to other sports. I know baseball; they've got crews, and basketball, I think. It's more individual. They put crews together, but you know, I'm in and out 12 weeks out of the year with my same guys doing our thing and just, uh, you know, we're a family, you know, and, and one guy has, has a mistake and we come, we rally around and we pick each other up and, you know, that's, that's something that we do, you know, and I, and I love that. I, I, I just, that motivates me and drives me to be that crew guy to save our crew in case something happens. I want to be the guy that they lean on, you know, and that's like that in life, you know, Absolutely. Uh, in law enforcement's the same way, you know, that's how I look at, that's how I approach everything. Um, last question here. I wanted to uh, give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit about, uh, about your, your new acting career. So one of the other tenants of the everyman lifestyle is a man who, a uh, man or woman, uh, who is uh, wearing many hats, doing many things uh, all the time. So, how did you get into acting? And tell us just briefly about uh, about your your short the, your appearance in the short film "When Two Wrongs" and where people can see that. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, I started. I was uh, when I was up in investigation. I was a detective for a few years. We have a rotation deal, so you go on investigations and you you work and that type of thing. And I, I partnered up with a guy that looked like uh, Andy Sipowitz from uh, NYPD. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> right. And so he, he was doing some background stuff, you know, and Chicago's a big hub for a lot of the, um, you know, uh, TV shows. You got the Chicago, you know, police, PD and uh, Chicago Fire and all this other stuff. So we ended up reaching out to a to a, a, a like a talent agency and they were looking for background people. And so I I jumped on Chicago PD. I've been doing it for about three, four years now, just doing background stuff. And they've I've had some, reoccur- you know, like where they would ask me to come in and, and work like, you know, like some good camera time where I'm in, I'm in front of the camera, not saying anything, you know, because then they'd have to pay me more because they're the unions <laughs> and stuff, right? But, uh, you know, just looking pretty, you know, getting paid for my look, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Go. Right. And our listeners, <laughs> our listeners can't uh, can't hear yeah, how good that. looking you are, but you know everyone 
Trust me, he's a handsome man. Put that jawline on there, man. Right, look at, look at that, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have another Carved. burger, have another burger. Right? Yeah. Carved so, from granite. <laughs> right, so we go, uh, well, I'll give them the link. You know, they can take a look at the trailer if they want to. But uh, but anyway, so uh, so I'm on the on the set, and, and I, I came across an old friend, C.J. Phillips, who was a director, producer, and he was working some stuff, you know, there. And he had, uh, you know, asked me if I would do a screen test and, you know, or, or come over and run some lines and see if I were interested in doing a short film that he was making that he was producing about uh, um, child trafficking. And being in law enforcement, it was like something that was right up my alley. And I thought, yeah, absolutely. I would t- totally do this, you know. And uh, <clears throat> so we ended up, uh, you know, doing a, a screen test. And we ended up doing the, the lines and he liked what he saw. You know, I don't know why, but he liked it. And uh, it, next thing you know, we're, we're on set and we just we finished. Uh, it's a short film. We did 50, I did 56 hours on set of shooting um, for and people, you know, like as, as far as, you know, entertainment, the entertainment business, I give my you know, I take my hat off to those guys because, you know, you do 56 hours. You think you're going to have like an hour and 20 minute movie. <laughs> you got you got like 20 minutes. You know, <laughs> yeah, the, the magic is in the editing. Absolutely. 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 You know, so. uh so yeah, so I got hooked up with this. We did the uh, the shoot. Everything came out real well. We just actually had the uh, premiere release on uh, on Tuesday. Um, it's going to be submitted to some film festivals as a as a short film. Uh, it was more of like a PSA like uh, type of film, you know, um, about uh, trafficking and and that type of thing. And uh, yeah, it's it's called When Two Wrongs, and it's WhenTwoWrongs.com. Um, there's a trailer out there that's on it. Uh, the trailer doesn't give you much, you know, it wasn't my call. It's not my, my project, you know, it's, uh, it's the director's. He, he owns it. He, he produced it. He wrote it and he wants to, you know, get people to talk about it, but he doesn't want to really give much of it, you know, so I get what he's doing, but, uh, but yeah, had a blast doing it and, and, uh, hopefully it, uh, creates some, uh, some, some talk and catches on and people start to look at it and hopefully, you know, you never know, it could open up opportunities or, uh, I could just go back to background work, you know, but either way, I still got a schedule for the fall and I'm going to be doing football games. So I'm loving life. That's nice. great. Well, either way, uh, whether you're catching him uh, in the film world or you're going to see him on ESPN crushing shit up in North Dakota with their, I'm sure that'll be on uh, television this year, hopefully. <laughs> um, Matt, it's been, uh, it's been awesome having you on the podcast. Uh, thank you very much for joining us and uh, we will catch you down the line, my brother. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. DC, good seeing you. My Justin, man. Nice to see you, buddy. Take it easy, brother. All right, brother.